All right, so in this episode, I'm talking to my friend Andy, who is a primary or elementary school teacher, if you happen to be uh, across the pond. Um, and we're talking about how he got into being a primary school teacher, what some of the things he's doing day to day as part of being a primary school teacher are. And we're also um, going to talk a little bit about how we think that uh, primary school teaching might change over time. Disclaimer alert, we kind of started off with uh, some of the more negative stuff. So we did talk about marking and paperwork and admin to start off with. If you want to know about the nice side of the job, that does come later on. So we have balanced it talking about the things that are really exciting about being a primary school teacher, as well as the things that are not so great. So uh, do stick with it and get to that part um, because I think that's where the real good stuff about uh, being a primary school teacher is. Uh, so without uh, any further ado, let's get started talking about that. So I think it, it might, it makes sense to kind of start at the beginning. Um, so can, uh, things that I currently know sort of led into being a primary school teacher and there's probably things I don't know as well. Uh, so things I currently know, you obviously spent years working at summer camp and getting kind of experience in that direction. Yep. I know that at university, I think you did film and media, is that right? I did. Um, and I think that you actually worked at your school for a bit before you were actually a full-time teacher there. So is that yeah. somewhat accurate? That is quite accurate. Um, on top of that, my mum is a, a high-level teaching assistant, or was a high-level teaching assistant. Um, and they basically needed at one point, when I would finished university, I didn't really know what to do. I was kind of applying for jobs here, there and everywhere just to get some money, basically. I ended up working in Frankie and Benny's um, because I didn't really know what to do with my life at that point. I was, I'd done a did film and media degree, but that was kind of more because that's what I was interested in. I didn't really know if I wanted a career in it. So I ended up, um, my mum's school was looking for someone just to come in for a day and set up some uh, video stuff. Um, so a laptop with internet access and link up to the, the projector and um, yeah, so I went in to help and ended up just going into one of the classrooms for a bit and uh, doing a bit of work with some of the kids uh, and really enjoyed it. So I ended up going back after doing all the DBS checks and everything um, and volunteering pretty much full time there um, for nearly a year up until going back to camp again. And then got back from camp the following year and... Um, Got, there was a job opening as a teaching assistant, so applied for that, got that job. And while I was doing my teaching assistant job that year, I started applying for different ways of getting into teaching. Okay, so at this point, you hadn't done like any teacher training or anything. You were just kind no. of, there is this thing going, I'm going to do this. Yeah, this was just a, something, because I, I mean, I enjoyed working with children from being at camp and stuff like that. Um, I knew it was something that I was all right at. Um, so it was another avenue to explore, basically. So tried it out and really enjoyed it. Okay. Yeah. So kind of, I guess, if you hadn't enjoyed working with uh, like the kids and stuff at camp, I guess you'd have just been like, hell no, I don't want to go work in this school. So I guess that was quite an important yeah, part I mean, of it. Yeah, definitely. Um, I never would have been thought about it if it wasn't for working at camp and stuff okay yeah makes sense uh, i think 
having some experience with what some teachers refer to as the enemy is, uh, is somewhat <laughs> somewhat useful before you go in. Um, okay, so okay, so you're uh, just so kind of like based on kind of other people who do like work at your school that you've met. Like, is that kind of a typical pathway in, or is that quite unusual? Not always. I mean, there's different pathways into teaching. Um, some people do it a lot later in life. Some people do it straight out of college and do a three-year degree. Um, and often, some of them have done like maybe 10 days in school before that. I think the minimum experience you need for a PGC is about two weeks worth of yeah. school experience, whereas I had two years nearly. Um, so it, is a, it was a bit different. I knew what I was getting myself into. Um, I knew the amount of work that it would be. And some people do go into a PGC or a three-year teaching degree and not, aren't really sure about... How much I don't really know how much work it's actually going to entail. Uh, yeah, uh, we can kind of get on to like what that actually looks like <laughs> on a typical day. Um, okay, so um, obviously I I know about like secondary teachers in that like most of them have kind of done a degree in something else, somewhat related to what they teach. Then they will do like a after degree some kind of teach training usually, or they go straight into a job or whatever. Is that also true in primary school, or, or a lot of more people done like the three year? teacher training yeah there are quite a lot of done i know quite a lot of people have done the three-year teacher training um there's also like the pgc like i did which was where you go back to school after you go back to university after uh, doing a three-year degree and do an extra year where you do your teacher training um there's other avenues i mean schools direct has become a thing in recent years where you're basically working in a school and learning on the job yeah uh, there was a similar avenue like that when i started looking at teacher training which was called the graduate teacher program oh which, yeah the one you could never get on because yeah. they were like they paid you money while you yeah, did you it got <laughs> about 15 grand for the for the year and you were paid to do it and you were being paid as like a teacher basically hmm. um but that it no longer exists surprisingly <laughs> have you um at your school have you had people on like schools direct or anything yeah, like that we've, over the last couple of years we've um had started getting schools direct students in um it's a strange one in some ways schools direct because i know out the timetable for our schools direct students they can be in for a week and then they can be out training for a week and then they don't seem to get into a flow of actually teaching sometimes mm-hmm. um whereas i know pgc you were there for an eight week block a lot of yeah. the time um, um, and it seems a lot more full-on in that time yeah although i kind of when I was doing my PGC, I kind of wished that I just got like planted in a school for two weeks, screwed mm. up all the things that all brand new teachers screw up. And then you get like, a, then you go into your like eight week block. Cause uh, obviously with the, the classes I remember taking over, it was just a bit like, they remember all the stupid things that you did when you like first walked into the room. And it's just a bit like, mm. Oh, got to live with this for another six weeks, but uh, somewhat a useful lesson for when you're actually a teacher. You, can't really yeah. afford to screw up on the first day too much but yeah um, yeah um i mean i found the last placement i did especially was uh, i think it was a eight or ten week placement something like that but the first two weeks i didn't have to teach i just got to settle into school do a lot of my find out what i was supposed to be teaching do a lot of my planning uh, get to know the kids that, that i was going to be teaching and just i think i did two half hour lessons in that time just to kind of get my confidence in front of the uh, class to get to know them and then get to know what I was like as a teacher. And I thought that was a really good way of doing it, to be honest. Okay. So um, just 
kind of trying to try to track your pathway through this. So you started off just doing some tech stuff in a school. Then you were a teaching assistant for a year. Well, I was volunteering as a teaching assistant um, for a year, basically, just oh, okay. an extra pair of hands. I only did the kind of tech stuff for one afternoon, really. Okay. It was after that, that that was kind of my first real route into school. Um, yeah. And then after that, I kind of started volunteering as a basically as a teaching assistant. And then, yeah, after that, I got a job as a teaching assistant for almost a year. Okay. And then that's when you went on and did, got into your actual uh, yeah. PGC training. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then you are now back at that same school again. I am. So did yeah. you did you actually kind of, so you left the school for a year to do your PGC and then came yeah. back? Yeah. So luckily when I uh, was looking for a job after my PGC, uh, this school had two openings. So I managed to get a job in as the year six teacher, which I still work as now. And because I have no real sense of how like, difficult it is. To, uh, so like uh, from the very limited experience, I'm aware that it can be quite difficult to get jobs as, mm-hmm. uh, as a primary school teacher. Does that kind of reflect what yeah, you, you know is, about it? It is very competitive. I mean, to be honest, I've only had one job, so I don't know what it's like going out and, re- and applying for the jobs at the moment. I know at the moment it's probably more competitive with everything going on. I know schools are getting 200 applicants for one job because there are that few jobs going at the moment and there are a lot of teachers that are just qualifying. So it is super competitive at the moment. We've, yeah. um, we had a teacher on secondment who's come back to us this year, but the teacher that was kind of covering for him is now having to work as a TA because the, she just can't find jobs out there. Wow. Okay. So in the, in this area anyway, um, I don't know what it's like, but I work in the Northwest of England. I don't know what it's like in other areas at the moment. Okay. So kind of when they talk about sort of nationwide teacher shortages, they're probably not talking about primary school teachers. Mm, and they're probably not talking about this at the Northwest either. Cause I mean, right. we have multiple universities that are churning out teachers as well, all in one small area. Um, and yeah, there are, it's very competitive for jobs around here. I suppose if you went down to London or somewhere, it might be completely different. Uh, yeah, uh, London is a completely different animal for pretty much everything. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay, so uh, that's kind of how you ended up there. So you arrive at school at some horribly early hour? Uh, about eight o'clock at the moment. Oh, that's not too bad. Like, it's not no, too bad. I, I prefer something. to work late and... Uh, not get there too early in the morning okay yeah i know there are, te- there are teachers that will turn up at like half past six and stay till about four o'clock but i prefer to do it the other way and turn up about eight and then stay till half five six o'clock okay but that, that's something that you have the flexibility to do yeah. you're not your school is not like you should be doing x no. okay um okay so you arrive at school what are you doing uh, basically getting sorted for the day, turn my computer on, get all my lessons prepped, all my resources ready, any last minute photocopy I need to do. We're quite lucky actually because we do have a photocopier right outside my classroom. and So we have like, a photocopier for each department. So it's not as difficult as everyone rushing to the one photocopier in the school, um, trying to get things photocopied all at the same time. 
Okay, so for people listening to this who don't quite understand why Andy's going on about a photocopier, photocopiers are the bane of a teacher's life because <laughs> they're always broke. They're always broken. There's or there's always a massive line when you arrive at them. So having an easy to access photocopier that works most of the time is an incredible bonus. As a we're actually in a really lucky position because we have two in our building within about within about twenty feet of each other. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah. So. You might wonder why we we jumped to photocopiers. That's just yeah. a, that's a teacher thing. Um, okay, so you've uh, you've gone in. All your text turned on. You've done some photocopying because everyone always asks me photocopying to do. Uh, we might talk about that later on with how education is going to change over the next few years. But at the moment, lots of photocopying happens. Okay. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, then basically, make make sure I get a brew as well before I uh, start teaching. Really, do need a coffee in the morning to get me going. Um, and normally there's not much of a cue for that either um, and then you just basically wait until five to nine the bell goes and you go outside and greet the children they're all lined up outside and you bring them in um, and yeah they'll come in generally I'll have some work on the board that I've set for them to be getting on with when they come in so I can do the register which has actually changed a little bit recently because in the last six months We've now got electronic registers on touchscreen TVs, so they come in and they tap their name and what, what they uh, would like to order for the lunch, and then they go and sit down and get on with the work. I imagine Corona is going to throw that system out the window. Yep. That <laughs> is going to be completely different when we come back. <laughs> okay. so, um, so just to rewind slightly, so like when you're going out and getting the kids, are you having like, have they already been extracted from their parents by this point, or are you at that point kind of also meeting and greeting parents as well as doing that? I mean, um, in year six, they don't have to come with a parent. They're allowed to walk to school on their own. Um, so some of them, some parents will be there. Some parents will ask you a couple of questions every so often. But generally, um, if I need to speak to a parent, I'll get in touch with them over the phone. Uh, I don't have that much contact with parents in the morning, really. Okay. Um, so just to kind of pause with what you're doing and just go to a more general question how much of your week do you typically spend like actually communicating with parents not a great deal i'd say um i make the occasional i make a couple of phone calls a week maybe um speak to a couple after school every so often but it's not a great deal unless there's something happened that i need to speak to them about generally not major not a major amount of time Okay. Okay. So you've got some kids in. They, depending on the virus situation, they may or may not have ordered their lunch and tapped in and stuff. Um, uh, what kind of stuff are you getting them to do? So this is year six. A lot of the time in the morning, it'd be uh, basic skills, maths or English. So it could be spelling work. It could be um, multiplication things, division, uh, catch up, like ca revising things that we've done already, like fractions and percentages, little just quick questions that they can be doing and working on that we can quickly go over at the end and clarify any misconceptions, basically. Okay, I, I, I just realised I should have clarified. Uh, year six means like 10, 11. Yeah, 10, uh, 11. Yeah. Last year of primary school. Yeah. And so like, while they're... So this is something they're kind of, they're doing on their own? They're doing in like yeah. pairs, groups? or This is something they'll do on their own just to kind of settle them down when they come in, um, get them kind of in the mood for working basically and so you've got your feet up on the desk you're no. <laughs> normally i'm doing any admin stuff at this point that i need to do so so we do have a lot of money coming in every so uh, on some days like 
music tuition money, trip money, anything like that is generally brought into school. That is slowly changing, but uh, so I'm logging things like that or I'm, um, yeah, checking on. Sometimes I'm going around checking on what they're doing. Uh, it really depends on the day. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it kind of leads into a slight tangent here. So like, again, kind of in a typical day or a typical week, I think if you read enough of the headlines, everyone's got this idea that uh, teachers are kind of buried in paperwork and stuff kind of like you're just describing there. How much of a reality is that for you? It's yeah, there is a lot. I mean, it really depends on your school. My school is quite relaxed with it. Uh, Not relaxed as in they don't make you do anything, but as in that anything that's really unnecessary that they think there's no point in doing and it could be done in a different way, we won't do it. Um, okay. I think we are, like our school is very down to earth with things like that. Whereas other schools, there will be menial tasks to do. Yeah. Um, uh, is, is that kind of down to like your head teacher? Is that his kind yeah, of thing? It's down to the SLT. It's down to your senior leadership team. Okay. Uh, so your head, your deputy, assistant heads, head of key stage, people like that. Um, okay, yeah. But yeah, there is there is still some quite a bit to do, especially if you include Mark in his paperwork as well, um, which we have cut. We have changed the way we mark over the last few years, and it has kind of cut down what we need to do. Um, so we were writing quite long comments, but now we're focusing more on symbols that the children know what they mean, um, or abbreviated um, by acronyms and things like that. Um, so the children know what they mean and they can instantly see what they've done well, where they need to improve. And we're not writing a big long comment saying you have done this really well. You, you need to improve on this kind of thing. Yeah. Um, okay. So if we can kind of like break it down a little bit. So like in a typical day, if we don't count marking, cause you can do that as a separate thing. How much time would you say you spend just doing kind of ad mini related kind of thing, you know, like sen- sending and answering emails, logging data and all, you know, all that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, it could be half an hour or so. Some days it could be up to an hour. Other days, um, like it, it's very different each day. It really depends what you've been doing. And like if we've done an assessment or anything, then you've got to log all those scores. Um, if we've got something, an event coming up, I might be yeah, sending and um, responding to emails on that. It really depends on what's going on in school at, at that time. <laughs> And the kind of same question with like marking, like how much of that are you doing in a typical day? Um, I mean, potentially we do two lessons. We do a maths and English lesson in the morning. Then we'll maybe do, then we'll do two other lessons in the afternoon. So you could potentially have four lessons of marking there. Plus um, we get comment books in each day off different children. So you might have six comment books to mark, to read through and mark as well. If you're the big thing for marking at the moment is, uh, is pieces of writing because they, we can potentially be moderated on those where we have an external moderator come in and look at how we've assessed our, our writing for the year. So that's where our judgments need to be spot on. So we do, myself and my co-year six teachers, we do spend a lot of time on marking writing, and that's probably the biggest bulk of our, of our marking. So that's something you're doing daily? Mm, I'd say weekly. We're, okay. we're more looking at that because okay. we don't, we don't mark them as they are doing a piece of writing because they need to be a bit more 
independent with that, if you get what I mean. Um, we don't want to influence, how do I put this? You might need to tweak this bit. Um, we don't want to kind of say, we can't go through and say, you made a spelling mistake there, you need to go and correct that. They need to look back and find their own errors, basically. So it's about guiding self-reflection rather yeah. than, again. Yeah. So it's kind of talking as a class, right? We'll go back and look through your work, have a think where you may have made spelling errors, have a think where you could, uh, where you may have missed punctuation, things like that. We can't go, you missed a full stop there. You need to put it in. So, uh, okay. So given that you started with, uh, we may need to edit this part. So is that, a externally driven thing or is that a we want to get students like as in we think it's important they self-reflect you nodded with the first part it's it's a bit of both really it is externally driven if uh, really we are not allowed to tell them that but towards the beginning of the year we do kind of start tri- um, giving them a lot of guidance on finding their own errors reflecting on what they've been doing so each lesson we do I do get them to do a self-assessment um, or each piece of writing, especially I get them to a self-assessment, each maths lesson I'll get them to look over the work and self-assess what they've done and reflect on it. Generally, at the beginning of the year, I'll give them a lot of suggestions of what they could think about on that, but then we can't, I kind of pull that scaffold away and get them to think about um, them for themselves what they've, uh, what they've done well, what they need to improve on. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Um, okay, so to take a slightly different tack, is that I feel like we've talked about like a lot of the kind of negative sides of thing, and it yeah. would want to be balanced <laughs> with that. But uh, so, okay, so let's say you're doing a uh, let's do something that I somewhat know about. Like, okay, let's say you're doing like a lesson on something mathematic math, related, like uh, or whatever it's numeracy or whatever they call it these days. Um, I still call it maths. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, what kind of how, what kind of period of time would you have to actually do that? To do an, a lesson. Yeah. Or, how, like, how long would, would they spend doing just maths, for example? Generally, we have about an hour, hour and a half lesson each day of maths. Okay. Um, some of that's a starter activity to get them kind of going with it and get the brains warmed up. Uh, you'll have a, and then a bit of an input and then get on with the work they're doing. And then we'll kind of come back together at the end and think about where we go next, basically. Okay, so is it, if I'm understanding that correctly, you kind of will do something with everyone in the class to mm-hmm. start with, then people go off and kind of do slightly different things, and then you kind of come back together and do something yeah. at the end. Is that about right? Yeah, I mean, it's slightly different sometimes with the way we do it because we do kind of set them for maths at, um, in year six. So we will generally have, we've got three year six teachers, so we split into three groups. Um, so there's two year six classes that we split into three three groups basically. Okay. Um, so we can kind of target what we need to target with that group of children. So you your differentiation sometimes will not be as broad as in a normal class. So you might only have two different activities going on sometimes, and as opposed to potentially three or four. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and. Okay, so let's say you're in like a lesson where you're running three or four different activities. Is that just you running that or are there other people in the room with that as well? Sometimes I'll have a teaching assistant. Other times um, I won't. But often if I'm on my own, especially doing it, I'll have 
and have three or four different activities going, they'll, they'll all be similar, but the kind of numbers might be slightly different. Or uh, So the concept's coming across, but they're not having to, uh, it's to their level, basically. Okay, so they're all doing slightly different activities, but there's kind of a big picture that they're all yeah. kind of working on. Okay. Yeah, yeah, so it could be, they'll all be working on the same concept, but it might be slightly, yeah, like I say, slightly different numbers. Um, it's just kind of pitched at their ability. Okay, so um, I guess, especially with primary school, one of the parts to it is really kind of, you know, how do we make this stuff like relevant and engaging to them? So like, can you like talk about, oh, like, it doesn't have to be like a mass, it could be about anything like a lesson that you've done about that you, where you can kind of identify the, where that fit in? I mean, um, to make things relevant, especially with things like English, we tie it in with other things that are going on in the world or it could, or often we tie it in with our class text. So when I go back in September, um, our class text will be an abridged version of Macbeth. So we do a lot of writing based on that. So we get them to, we read up to kind of just before um, Duncan's murder. And then we get them to write what happens during Duncan's murder. Um, and how Macbeth kills the king. Okay, then, just just to bore you slightly, I, I'm a slightly shocked that primary school kids are doing Shakespeare. When did that become a thing? Yeah, it's been... Um, I've done it ever since I um, started teaching, basically. It's been something we do. Like I say, it's an abridged version. It's not a script. It's not in Shakespearean language that we use. But okay. so it's we the do sto- really enjoy it. Yeah. Okay, so it's, it's the story rather than the flowery language and yeah. poetry kind of side of things. Okay. Although we do look at things like double, double, toil and trouble and that whole, which is spelled. And um, is this a dagger I see before me in some of those scenes, the, the key scenes from Macbeth? Wow, I'm, so I'm still shocked that like 10 and 11 year olds are learning about Shakespeare. I don't think I met it till I was like 15. Um, wow, okay. I'm going to um, shamelessly but... plug as well that we get a theatre company in called the Handlebards. It's not so, your brother's uh, one by any chance, is it? It's my brother. However, <laughs> we don't get a discount. <laughs> um, but yeah, they are, they are well worth um, any school getting in if they want to teach Shakespeare because it's accessible Shakespeare. Uh, okay, so that was the handle bards, as in like bards poet. Okay, yeah, yeah. They, but they cycle around, hence the handle bars. Yeah. <laughs> okay, um, after that, absolutely <laughs> shameless marketing from Andy there. Uh, okay, so um, I guess uh, like we talked about, kind of the marking the all the admin, all, all that kind of stuff, which I think typically are not people's favorite part of the job. You do find some crazy people who love all that mm. thing, but I don't think that's generally true. So what, what is it about doing your job actually like, because I think anyone can kind of turn around and say, Oh, it's so rewarding. You know, we, we, cause you've seen how this young human being has turned out and that's really nice, but you don't get that for like years. Right. <laughs> so like, what is it like day to day? That's kind of good about your job. You, you do. I mean, you do get that. It is. It is good when you see a child something click with a child, or you see a child do something that they've never done before. But it's just. I mean, it's the interaction with people that, like, I mean, the staff that I work with are great. The kids that I work with are great. Um, it's just. I just like going into school and interacting with them all. Um, I mean, we just make things fun as well. It's. I have a bit of a laugh when I'm teaching. It's not like I'm not ridiculously serious and dead strict. You can and you can see that the kids are enjoying that as well. Um, it's and on top of that, it's all the other things like 
there's I don't know if there's any other job where I could go from being a teacher to a sports coach to a choir leader to a musical director to um, doing um, computer technician to there's just so many different things that you can end up doing in a school in one day yeah um, I always think it's a thing that's kind of it's underplayed so if you know meet people who have mm. interests in loads of different things you're just like you should be in a school you can do all of that you can actually do yeah. all of those things um you don't normally have like you don't normally have to so like at no. school i could just basically show up teach lessons have a tutor group and go home but if you have all these additional interests and stuff you can get involved in as many things as your waking hours will fit in <laughs> generally speaking yeah definitely um like i do get involved with quite a bit um like i've coached numerous sports teams um i've run the choir and taken that or co-run the choir and we've taken that to numerous different concerts and been involved with different festivals and things um we do year six production each year which i tend to put a lot of work into um i know teachers that put their art skills to use and create big like artworks for around school there's so many different things you can do um so many ways you can use utilize your skills in school um and pass these some of these skills on to the children as well and they absolutely love it when they can see their teachers doing something that's not just maths or english in a yeah. slightly different environment in a way yeah and it's um i think especially if you have the more let's call them more challenging uh individuals like doing all these things is actually a really good way of uh, getting a better relationship with them yeah. um like if you coach them sports or music or whatever which is the thing they're they're really passionate about they can have more buy-in when you're teaching them uh you know about shakespeare and all this other stuff which they may be less interested in um yeah and it's it's utilizing that those skills to build that relationship as well yeah um and kind of just yeah i've not got much more to say on that one (laughs) (laughs) okay and so kind of um we've talked about how you got into it kind of and uh like what somewhat day-to-day is like with the different things you can do so um i think especially having been in a lockdown and stuff a lot of stuff seems to be shifting fairly quickly um with how schools work and and Mm -hmm. things like that um i think even for maybe the last 10 years people have been like we've been we're about to have this technological revolution and it's sort of happened slowly in schools but not really um there's a few places which have gone crazy with it but most places have dabbled in a little bit but not really gone the route of going we're gonna wholesale change everything Mm. um so how can you see like your work being different maybe five years from now or 10 years from now i mean as of as of now we have my school hasn't done zoom lessons or anything like that um what we've done instead is kind of put a links to different well we've kind of written a plan out for each week of what activities the children should be doing uh we've linked to different resources around the internet uh i know uh oak national academy has been an invaluable resource that we've used but potentially if we have another lockdown or anything like that uh we will try and do things a bit more differently we i have been i spent a lot of time over lockdown looking into microsoft teams 
because we are an Office 365 school. Okay. Yeah. Um, so all our staff are currently starting to use Teams, some more than others. Some have had we've had a few meetings on there, some of us, and potentially that's a way forward with that we can use with children to host. One thing that I have already started doing was I'd host a OneDrive folder online with link with any resources that the children would need. So moving things online is going to be a massive thing over the uh, next few years, I think. Um, we are looking into resources such as Seesaw, which is kind of an online portfolio of work almost. So the children can, it's just an app on the iPad. They log in either using a QR code or older children use their school email address. And they basically can take pictures of things or do an activity on there and upload it so the teacher can then see it, mark it, and uh, they can get instant feed, almost instant feedback on it. So I can see apps like that becoming more and more um, useful over the next few years. So that would kind of come under the heading of sort of uh, progress tracking, that, yeah. kind of, that kind of thing. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay. Um, so kind of moving hopefully moving away from kind of the extremes of coronavirus and somewhat normality returning like are there any kind of if you're actually in the classroom can you are there any areas you think that might change in the near future yeah i mean i can see um more technology being introduced i know we at the moment have about 50 ipads as a school um we currently still have a computer suite which I think is an invaluable resource, but until at least until um, iPads and tablets and things become more um, accessible in a way. Uh, I know with Flash going out the window now that, so, that a lot more um, websites and programs will be more useful, will be more usable on an iPad like Scratch, for example. Um, we do a lot of programming through Scratch but up until the last year or so, you've not been able to do that on an iPad. It's, it's had to be on a computer. Um, so I can see more tablets and iPads becoming being introduced. And so like when you mentioned that, so that's something that's kind of come in over the last few years. Mm. So they've actually started to do programming at kind of primary school. Yeah, level. that started about five years ago. Um, and it's, it is block-based. We do do little bits of... Uh, like text-based programming, like a little bit of Python. Um, I've done some HTML in the past with them. Okay, yeah. Um, so uh, the, re the reason I mentioned that is I, I always find, because every, you know, every few years there's an announcement that, you know, in primary schools, children are now going to be learning X, Y, and Z. So like a few years ago, it was like languages, like they're suddenly going to be learning French or Spanish or whatever. And there's suddenly a load of primary school teachers going, wait, what? And then obviously the, the latest one I think was probably programming where the primary yeah. school teachers are probably going, well, I, I've just logged, I figured out how to log into email and I have to now teach programming. Like how's yeah. that been? It has been a big leap for some staff. Um, luckily we do have a HLTA in school, a higher level teaching assistant who is very good at computing. So she's been working with a lot of the classes um, on their computing and programming side of things. I've, I kind of teach all of the year six programming and computing at the moment. I'm not very good at art. So luckily the other uh, year six teacher is very good at art. 
Okay. Um, so what we do is we swap over and she'll, we, we're almost like a mini secondary school in um, year six where they won't have the same teacher all day, every day. We'll kind of swap and change for different things. But the, the implication of what you're saying is kind of lower down in the school as a teacher, you would be expected to teach yeah. all of the things. Yeah. Um, Generally, uh, everyone will just teach their class. You don't really see the other teachers in your building or in your year group as much. I think it's one of the things people probably don't know about. I think more so primary school than secondary mm-hmm. school. I wouldn't say I, I occasionally have to go away and learn some physics that has been found out since I like learned physics or because I did engineering or physics, I sometimes have to go and update my subject knowledge a little bit. But Mm -hmm. I think the thing you probably wouldn't necessarily expect, I think most people would be like, Oh, it's primary school. Like I don't need particularly like high knowledge in the, all of the things, but it's just the, the having to be ready to kind of update your knowledge of things you've never even necessarily done before is something you probably wouldn't expect. Yeah. uh, And I feel like it happens on a, fairly regular basis (laughs) i mean the curriculum changed in 2014 so that was where the really big overhaul came uh i feel like since then our writing the writing uh curriculum for year six the writing the criteria that they are assessed against has kind of been tweaked multiple times so we've spent quite a bit of time learning what some of the uh things mean like the uh, what's the what's the term that they used the other, a couple of years ago? The appropriate register. Oh, you have yeah. to write in the appropriate register. So we spent a long time discussing that. Um, but yeah, programming is probably the biggest thing that's been brought in recently. But then over the last couple of years as well, there's been the new Ofsted framework that they've that they've announced. So we've had to kind of go back and look at our foundation curriculum and basically make that a bit more fit for purpose because we realized there were gaps that we were that we were missing so um yeah we just had to kind of we just keep tweaking things and changing things and it's never kind of just i can't see it ever just being left as is yeah i i think i guess you can see it as a negative thing because obviously you have to put in the work for changing stuff but Mm. i always think that's it's quite good because you know I'm, I'm about to start year nine as a teacher and i was like if every year was the same i would have probably quit and gone to a different job mm. by now i think mean, the fact that every few years like it's annoying as hell but, <laughs> but the fact that every few years like your job changes in some way i think is is quite refreshing yeah um, just keep it interesting <laughs> well you're not just like i could just have taught the same map the same set of lessons every year but i haven't it's, yeah it's quite nice i mean we've changed quite a bit around this year because the advice from ofsted is that history should be now chronological so um as in year three should be teaching like the very early stages of history and year six should be teaching the kind of later things oh because they're implying that they can somehow make causal links between being like this created this this then created this this and some yeah even though some things happen at the same time as well, um, they want you kind of got to put things chronologically. So that's been a massive change around for a lot of year groups because we had Victorians being taught in year three, for example, which has now been moved, and they're now teaching Bronze Age and um, Stone Age and things like that. What? That teacher's going to end up knowing a lot of history yeah. by the after they've done that for a few years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so I guess 
Um, at this point with the uh, other people I've had on, I give an opportunity to, is there something that people should know about being a primary school teacher that they probably don't? It's not a nine till half three job and <laughs> with lots and lots of holidays through the year. <laughs> uh, just to clarify, there are lots of holidays throughout the year. <laughs> there are lots of holidays throughout the year, but I do spend a lot of them catching up on things. Like the first two weeks of this summer holiday, I was in and out of school. Uh, the last week of this summer holiday, I will be in and out of school, uh, trying to get things ready for September. And other holidays, I tend to just be catching up on things and getting stuff done. It's not just, I don't just go away on holiday every single uh, time we get a break. Also, schools, uh, contrary, contrary to what some people think, schools haven't been closed through lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's, we, um, it's, sorry, go on. Yeah. We worked, uh, we were open multiple, well, we were open all week. Uh, not necessarily everyone was teaching every day of the week, but uh, we were open and we were open through the holidays as well for uh, key worker children. Yeah, and I, I think it's... Uh... There's obviously you can really read sensationalized stuff in a few of uh, media groups that I'm not going to name because uh, <laughs> there's no need to get into that kind of thing. But like, yeah, I think most most people kind of appreciate that everyone's just been figuring stuff out mm. and it's not been the way you might like or expect. But yeah, um, yeah. I, going back to the thing you said about hours, I um, because uh, I'm a physicist, obviously, I went back and did some calculations. I, I think I worked out, I basically work the same number of hours as someone else does, but I just do them in a much more concentrated period. Mm. And then you have do have like some time over the summer, which is obviously a complete yeah. break. But uh, yeah, I, I, ne I never think I work harder than anybody else, but I don't think I work less either. No, <laughs> I'm, I'm the same. I wouldn't say I work harder than... Other than other people but yeah I would say I'm lazing around and doing very little although I will say in the first few years as a teacher I definitely was working harder than <laughs> other people and then that sort of wanes a bit once you've done a got a few years in but I think to start yeah. with uh, it can be a bit uh, life yeah, al life altering yeah your first few years, years of teaching are definitely hard work because you've got to kind of find your feet and get a get a basis and once you've got all that planning there that you can kind of tweak unless everything changes like we talked about before um you've got it does kind of give you a bit less to do okay um is was was there anything else or have we kind of covered what it's like to be a somewhat I'm, I'm, hoping we've, I'm hoping we've not been too negative there because <laughs> it is a it is a fun job i do enjoy it um and it is a, like we've like we've already touched on it is a rewarding job and there's so many different things you can do and so many opportunities out there but yeah, I hope if people are thinking of going into teaching, then go for it. But just think about the uh, amount of work. Yeah, I think I might put a disclaimer at the start, being like, if you want to hear the nice bits, you might want to skip to this time, <laughs> <laughs> and then then maybe come back to the the start at the beginning at the end. But uh, I think it is. I think it is important that I think one of the reasons I I wanted to do this podcast is I think thinking of kind of people I teach that are kind of finishing school and trying to make decisions about what they want to do with their future I think I want them to have like a somewhat accurate picture of what it's like mm. doing various things and I obviously you can look in the newspapers and stuff but I think it is important to know that 
being a teacher is really fun, really exciting. And I think it gives you way more variety than almost any other job I can think of. Definitely. Um, as in, whenever I think about changing career, I just think that sounds so boring. As it's like just sat, you know, at a desk. Well, even if you're at like in a startup or something, you know, all the things that, you know, you, know, you might consider working from Google for Google really fun, but you still spend most of your day sat in front of a computer answering emails going to meetings and doing all these things and i'm just like actually i can't imagine not have doing all the different exciting things that i do as a, a teacher so it's a real yeah. i mean teaching can be busy it can be stressful sometimes some of the things that you make yourself even busier with are somewhat unnecessary as in but they can sometimes be some of the more fun things to do for example planning a show planning a trip all these things that are not strictly have to be done, but are actually some of the more fun things. Those are the things where you're, uh, you know, everyone, a lot of people say when they uh, become a teacher, you know, oh, I want to make a difference. And it's mm. like, however good your lesson on Oxbow Lakes is, it's not going to have like life-changing impact on a, on a student. Whereas like the trip that you take them on to the science museum may provoke them i know a real interest in them in uh what is it young kids dinosaurs oh no they'll, they'll already be interested in dinosaurs by then but like, <laughs> like something else yeah um but yeah like that if you actually are going into teaching to be the like a difference maker i, I think doing yeah, being their neat. sports coach and their music coach and stuff is where you're gonna do that yeah i'd say it is the extra things that, that do count um, however much when you get to the end of the day and you're like, I really don't want to do this. <laughs> and then you start doing it and it's really fun. So yeah. it's fine. But uh, yeah. Um, yeah. There are a few times where I've, I've done a club and not felt like it at the time. And then I've come away from it thinking that's put me in a better mood. <laughs> um, okay. So the, the one thing I will kind of finish with, uh, if there are kind of people listening and they're thinking about becoming a teacher, I think the single most uh, useful thing that I've learned as a teacher is the word no. Yeah. Um, as in you can end up filling your time with an unbelievable amount of stuff and uh, schools know this when you first mm. join them and ask you to do all kinds of different things uh, and I think especially when you start being a teacher the word no is incredibly important being like no I don't have the time to do that or yeah. no I don't want to go on this extra thing that I don't need yeah don't feel like you can't say no as well yeah. So if you if you feel like you can't keep up with everything, especially the kind of important stuff to do with your class, then you need to kind of. I learned this lesson a few years ago, where I needed to just cut back on what I was doing, and uh, to be honest, it's, it has made my uh, work life balance a lot better. Um, and I've not I've not missed running around trying to do a different club on, uh, each of the five nights a week plus a staff meeting. Yeah. And I think the other side of it is in school, everyone will tell you everything is essential and a priority. And so you actually, as an individual, have to make up your own mind what is essential and a priority because everyone thinks that everything is essential and a priority. And you just have to be like, well, that can't be true. So I guess it's being left to me to figure out which of those is essential and a priority. Mm. Um, Okay, so that brings us to the end for that conversation. I hope you enjoyed finding out what it's like uh, day to day and 
being a primary school teacher and how you get into it and how you think it might change. And I hope you stuck with it and got to some of the exciting part of the job as well as uh, some of the more negative stuff earlier on. Um, but thank you very much for taking the time to listen. Hope you enjoyed.